Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Abashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Abbas Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Um, this Mishnah is classically in one Mishnah. I'm splitting it into to two pieces. Um, and, and we'll see we'll see why when we get to the second piece, why I split it into, into two Mishnayos. Rebbe Leza ben Azariah Omer. So Rebbe Leza ben Azariah says, first of all, we all recognize Rebbe Leza ben Azariah. Rebbe Leza ben Azariah was the one who in the Pesach Seder was quoted as saying, I'm like a 70-year-old man. And um, he went on to, to talk about the concept of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, of the Exodus of Egypt. And we, we ask, um, you know, at every Seder we wonder, why is why does it say that I'm like a, I was like a seventy year old man? So we know that he was chosen. He was eighteen years old, and he was chosen to uh, replace Rabbi Gamliel after he was deposed as the head of the Sanhedrin. And he was um, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't going to be um, to be listened to as a young eighteen year old, though he was certainly the greatest sage amongst them. So a miracle happened, and he ended up looking like a 70-year-old man, and that's why I said, Arani Kiben Shivim Shana. There is, perhaps at the end, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Rabbi Leza ben Azariah in who he really was. And actually, you know what, I'm, I'm going to mention it now. When, when they came to Rabbi Leza ben Azariah, they didn't know who to take as the person who was now going to lead the Sanhedrin, because they couldn't take, they deposed Rabbi Gamliel, they couldn't take his disputant because that would have that would have hurt Rabbi Gamliel too much. So they looked for the next greatest sage. And again, it was this 18-year-old Rabbi ben Azariah. And they came to ask him if he would take the, the position. And Rabbi ben Azariah said, no, I have to ask my wife. And he went and he asked his wife. And his wife told him, don't take it. Because they're going to make, they're going to make nice with Rabbi Gamliel. Eventually, one day, it's going to happen that it's all going to be good. And then you, where are you going to be left? You know, you're, you're going to be, what, what do you do with an 18-year-old who's no longer the head of Sanhedrin? You can only go up, you can't go down, right? So where, where are you going after that? Well, you're going to get, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for every time you speak publicly, but where, where are you going to go? What, where, what are you going to do with your life? So he said to her, you don't understand. He said, even if I only got to serve the Jewish people for one day, then it would be completely worth it for me. If you take that idea and you weave that through, Rabbi Leza ben Azariah and all of the teachings that he teaches, Rabbi Leza ben Azariah had a sense of a sense of responsibility for the Jewish people, a responsibility to carry out God's word in this world, a responsibility to be able to enhance the presence of God in people's lives. And that was the center, the, the, that was the definition of who Rabbi Leza ben Azariah was. We'll see this a little bit later on. Okay. So Rabbi Lezab and Isaiah turns to us and he says, Im ain't Torah, if there is no Torah, then there's no Derech Eretz. Then there is no Derech Eretz here. We're not going to use as we've used before, which was like a job. 
Over here, Derek Heretz is the way, the classic sort of, classic way of using it, which is menshulchait, right? That, there's, that, that there is, if there's no Torah, then there's no real Derek Heretz, there's no real menshulchait, and imein Derek Heretz, and if there's no real menshulchait, then ain't Torah, there's no Torah. Imein chachma, if there's no wisdom, then ain't yira, then there's no fear of God. Imein yira, and if there's no fear of God, then ain't chachma, then there's no wisdom. Imein bina, if there is not bino, which I'm going to reserve the translation for a little bit, then there is no das. But if there is no das, then there is no bino. And imein kemach, if there is no flower, then there is no Torah. And everybody here has heard of that. It's been used in every single, um, every single campaign where... Um, in every single campaign where people are, uh, they're trying to raise money for an organization, so they always say, you mean kemach in Torah. If there's no, there's no kemach, there's no flower, then there's no Torah. You mean Torah in kemach. And if there is no Torah, then there is no kemach. What a beautiful Mishnah. Which means absolutely nothing. This Mishnah is so incredibly problematic. First of all, the Mishnah in four cases presents a circle that has no beginning. If there's no X, then there can't be Y. And if there's no Y, then there can't be X. Well, well, which do I start with? Do I start with X to get to Y or do I start with Y to get to X? But I can't really have Y if I don't have X. <laughs> the same sounds, it sounds crazy, but that's what it is. It doesn't, it's not logical. So that's problem number one with the Mishnah. Problem number two, I have a problem with every single piece of this Mishnah. Im ein Torah, ein derecheretz, if there's no Torah, there's no derecheretz. You all are familiar with the statement of our sages that why does the book of Bereshis come before the book of Shmos? If the Torah means Lahoros to teach, if the whole purpose of Torah is the laws of the Torah, then please explain to me why do I need the book of Bereshis? So I need the book of Bereshis because Derech Eretz Kadma Latira. Because first comes Derech Eretz, first comes the way to be a mensch, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all the stories, even the beginning stories of the Exodus and of, of, of being slaves in Egypt and all of that that transpired until the splitting of the sea, until chapter 12, actually, where we started to get the mitzvahs, the commandments, where we got the commandment of Rosh Chodesh, we got the commandment of, of Carbon Pesach. And the, the, but we say the reason Bresh has to come first because Derech Eretz that before you have Torah you have to have Derech Eretz not according to this Mishnah if you don't have Torah you don't have Derech Eretz so what does it mean Derech Eretz we also know that for the first 20 generations of the world really for the first 26 generations of the world that was only Derech Eretz there was no Torah there we weren't commanded anything until God gave the Torah Mansani there was no Torah and we say that Derech that, Haaretz that, Kadma Torah, but not according to this Mishnah. Plus, you know, we ask the question of why does it say in the beginning of Pirkei Avos, we asked this in our introduction, if you remember, that we asked, why does it say that, um, that, that well, why does it say Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai? Why does it give us this whole run of the, uh, of the Masorah of the Torah, of the giving of the Torah, the passing on from generation to generation? Why do we need that here? Really, at the beginning of Torah Shabbat Pen, the beginning of Brachos, that's really where it should have been asked, where it should have been taught. Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai, Masorah Lashul, Lashul, Eskenim, Eskenim, Neachik, Nesek, That should have been at the very, very beginning of ethics of the, of the, of the whole Mishnayis. It should have been in, in the introduction to Mishnah. Why is it in the introduction 
to Pirkei Ava. So the answer that we give is because we want you to understand that even the ethics of the fathers don't come from their own selves. The ethics of the fathers, real ethics, only come from God. It comes from Moshe Kibbal Torah Misina. But that's not true. Because the first 20 generations also, that's why the whole book of Bracious is there. There is such a concept of, of ethics that don't come directly from the Torah. It would seem. So what does this mean? That Derech Eretz, in order to be able to have Derech Eretz, then you have to have Torah, main Torah in Derech Eretz. Okay, that's problem number two. Problem number three, if there is no Chachma, then there is no Yira. There is, we know, which means that unless there's fear of God, then there is no real wisdom. But our rabbis tell us that if somebody tells you that there is Chachma amongst the heathens, amongst the non-Jews, then believe them, there is Chachma there. But wait, this mission is saying that you can't have Chachma without Yira, without a sense of fear of God. Without a sense of godliness, you can't have Chachma. We know plenty of people that have plenty of chachma, but have no yira. So what does this mean? It means chachma in yira. My fourth problem. What's the difference between chachma, bina, and das? What's the difference between chachma, which is the third shlav here, the second shlav, between chachma and then bina and das, which is in the third the third level. If there's no Bina, there's no Das. If there's no Nas, no Bina. What's Das? What's Bina? And how does that compare to Chachma? And my fifth problem is, if there's no Kemach, there is no, there's no Torah. Well, of course, if you don't have what to eat, then you're not going to be able to study. It's Pashat. As they say, Adah. Like, obvious, if there's no Kemach, then there's no Torah. What's the, what's the lesson that the mission is trying to teach me? What does this mean? What, and why does it say you mean Kemach in Torah? Why not if there isn't a good steak, then there's no Torah. If there isn't a good gishmak, a piece of bread, then there's no Torah. That's flour. When was the last time you had dinner, you had flour? Pass the flour, please. Like, what is that? You mean Kemach in Torah. Okay. My sixth problem you can all ask this question yourselves. What does all these four have to do with each other? You know, if there's no milk, then there's no cookies. And if there's no cookies, there's no milk. I mean, you could do this to anything. This is, it's a great model. It's a great, great construct. But yet Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah decided that there were four things in this group of him ain't this, this ain't this, and ain't this, this ain't this. Why these four things? So I'll tell you what I see here. The first thing that I see here is that in order to be Kona Torah, in order for a person to be able to make a Kenyan HaTorah, to make an acquisition on Torah, and to make an acquisition on Torah means not merely to study Torah, but to internalize Torah and to make Torah part of one's life. So then there are four stages and steps that a person needs to have. The first thing that a person needs to have is a person needs to have menschlichkeit. A person needs to be a mensch, needs to have good midos, needs to have good characteristics. Because I will tell you, though I'm not going to elaborate on it now, 
But I will tell you that the most important ingredient in order to really be successful in Torah, in both learning and living Torah, is having good midos. Because midos, good qualities and good characteristics, are essential to be able to learn, are essential to be able to have obedience, are essential to be able to follow God. If a person has difficulty, a person is an oppositional person, or a person has a difficulty with authority, then a person is going to have a difficulty with Torah. By definition, going to have a difficulty with Torah. And very often when you see a person having a difficulty with Torah, the reason why they're not having a success in Torah is because they have Midos issues. Not because they have brain issues, not because they have deep depth of understanding issues, but because they have Midos issues. A person who has a difficulty with certain philosophical, Jewish philosophical problems, why, we, why do you have a tzaddik, the ralo, and a rush of a tovlo? Why are there wicked people that suffer, that, wicked people that prosper and righteous people that suffer? That it sounds like a philosophical problem, but it actually is an ethical problem. And it's a problem, it's a problem more with the way that a person sees the world and the midos with which a person approaches things. So the first thing that a person needs to have is a person needs to have proper midos, proper characteristics. The second thing that a person needs to have is needs to have an understanding of God. I've, I've mentioned this before, and there will be a time where I'll talk about this in, in a more elaborate way, but I grew up without God. I grew up with Torah. I grew up with mitzvahs. I grew up in a religious home, but God wasn't really part of the equation. It wasn't that we'd thrown him out. It just, he wasn't really part of the equation. Why do we do this, Dad? Because that's what it says in the Torah. This is what Orthodox Jews do. We didn't spend a lot of time grappling with God. And this was, you know, post-Holocaust. We didn't spend a lot of time grappling with God. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about, talking about God in the world. Shabbos wasn't really about God. Shabbos was about Shabbos. And Pesach was about Pesach. You know, God took us out of Egypt. So his name was mentioned. But it wasn't really like we were sitting, in the, we were sitting with God. Even when you davened. You davened, you did your davening. But, and, and it was, by the way, beautiful. This was a beautiful, I grew up in a happy, a happy Jewish home. But when I look back at it, God wasn't necessarily the center. So Yira, that's the second stage you need. You need to put God into the, into the equation. The first thing is, the third thing is you need to have das. You need to have understanding. I will explain it in, in a few minutes. And then the fourth thing is, is that you need to have Torah. In the way I say it, in my vernacular, you need to have Torah. In other words, there has to be an oi, there has to be a life to it. It can't just be about keeping mitzvahs, it can't just be about robotic things, but it's got to be a Torah that illuminates. It's got to be something that is an or, something that is a light. And in order to be Kona Torah, these are the stages and steps you need. You need Meshlechkeit, you need the God component, you need a Das and you need to have that emotional connection to Torah. That's what Rebbe Lezer ben is telling us. And what Rebbe Lezer ben is telling us is, how do we acquire these four components? He starts off that im ein Torah ein derech And we question that. So we have to understand that there are two types of every one of these stages. When it comes to menschlichkeit, there's what's called chitzonius, there's external menschlichkeit, and there's pnimius, there is internal menschlichkeit. A person can be an external mensch, a person can be a person who says thank you, please and thank you, 
a person who is a polite person, a person who would never push another person, but who doesn't necessarily feel a connection to other people, who doesn't necessarily have good midos. You have to understand, and, and again, I, need, I really need you know, hours to, 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 to develop this, but it is possible for a person to live a life of chesed and not be a Baal chesed. Chew that over. It's possible for a person to do kindness, to be totally, completely doing kindness, and yet they're internally not a kind person. Now, there is a mile to that. It's not a, it's not a bad thing but it's not the ultimate kind of kindness that we need to achieve. Let's take a look at Kibbut Ave'im, at honoring one's parents. So it's possible for, what is it? Is, it a, is the mitzvah of honoring your parents ben adam lechavero, between one person and another, or is it ben adam lemakom, is it between us and God? So you would naturally say it's between us and another person because it's between us, like, like it says, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. It's between us and other people. So then loving your parents or honoring your parents is between you and your parents, between you and the way you deal with another person. But if you look very carefully at it, it's actually listed in the first five commandments of the Ten Commandments. It's number five. Number five, it's on the side of the commandments between you and God. Six through ten are the commandments between you and other people. Because Kibbut Ava'im straddles both sides. Kibbut Aveim, honoring your parents, is both a, an, an external mitzvah, in other words, being a mensch to an, another person, but it's also an internal mitzvah of recognizing the godliness in your parents, recognizing that my parents and God are the partners in my creation. It's something that has a panemius. It's something that has a deep interior. In the world, it's ben adam lechavero. In the world, it's an exterior kind of commandment. But by us, it is not only an exterior, but it's also an interior. Chesed. Chesed could be just to fill a hole. You know, you see a person has a need, you run and you fill that need, and you're great. That's great. It's awesome. But chesed is also that you recognize that God created a world in order to be able to do chesed to people. That's the whole reason why God created the world was to be able to give to us, to do kindness for us. And a person who lives their life that way with the panemius of chesed is a person that's constantly looking for opportunities to be able to help another person. I'm not waiting for you to cry out to me. I'm not waiting for you to call me. I'm looking for opportunities. And why am I looking for those opportunities? Because I want to be like God. Mahu rachum afata rachum. Just like God is merciful, I want to be merciful. Just like God is kind, I want to be kind. I want to be godly. These are things that I want to take the chitzanius, I want to take the external, and I want to fill it with something meaningful and turn it into something internal. And that's what Elizabeth and Zaria is telling us. In ain Torah, if there is no Torah, then ain derecheretz. You have no internal derecheretz. There is no pnimius to your derecheretz. If there's no Torah, then it's just an external act. And it's good, by the way. It's not, it's not bad. We're not calling you a Russia. We're not calling you a wicked person, but it's missing something. It's only external. But in the same tone, if I don't have superficial acts of kindness and goodness and menschlichkeit, then it's never going to develop into something deeper. My Torah is not going to, my, my Torah is not going to do anything to it. If all it is, is just chitzainius, then it's never going to develop into something deeper. I need for the first 26 generations of the world to have external kindness. I need to have external midos. I need to have external menschlichkeit, derecheretz. And then the Torah can fill it up. 
And then when the Torah fills it up, so then it strengthens my commitment to Derech Eretz. And then that Derech Eretz invites more meaning, and then that meaning invites more Derech Eretz. What Rabbi Lezab and Azariah is presenting to us is that he's telling us that you can't just have you can't just have the external. It has to be filled with something internal. But when you have something internal, it's got to translate itself into something external. It's got to translate itself into your actions, into the things that you do. And the one will constantly be revolving. It'll, it'll add to the other, the other will add to the one. And it just keeps going around and around. The Galgal Choser, it just keeps going around and around. You have, you have the one, it adds to the other. You have the other, it adds to the one. And sometimes you got to start with the superficial. But when you start with the superficial, it's got to lead to the internal. And then when it leads to the internal, to something that's full and rich, so then it adds to the external. Then the external pumps the internal. I'm not going to finish this today because I, I, need to, I, need to explain, I need to explain something here. It will help us understand the rest of the Mishnah. But take a look at the Ten Commandments. So if you take a look at the Ten Commandments, think about it in this way. Commandment number one leads to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, there are different ways of structuring the Ten Commandments, of looking at them as one to six, two to seven, right, to see the commandments that are across from each other. But there is another way of looking at the, at the commandments as a run. One, two, three, four, five, then leads to six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Commandment number one, believe in God. Where is that commandment? Belief in God. That's in the mind, the heart of a person. Commandment number two, don't have any other gods before me. Where is that commandment? That commandment is in the mind and the heart of a person. Commandment number three, don't take God's name in vain. That's in the mouth of a person. Commandment number four, honor the Sabbath. That's in the actions of a person. Commandment number five, honor your parents. It's in the actions. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't, um, don't, don't, don't kill. Don't steal. Um, those, are, those are commandments of the actions. Don't, um, don't commit adultery, excuse me. Those are commandments of actions. Then, don't, uh, don't, give a, don't be a false witness. That's a commandment of the mouth. And then, don't be jealous. That's a commandment of the heart. If you were writing notes, did you notice what you just wrote? Where does the Torah start? Starts in the mind and the heart of a person. Where does it then go? It goes in to the mouth of a person. And then where does it go? That mouth translates itself into the actions. And then where do the actions of a person go? They go back to his mouth. And then where does the, where does the words of the mouth go back to? It goes back to the head. It's a circle. You start with the head, you end with the head. You go from the head to the mouth to the actions, from the actions to the mouth to the head. What you think influences what you speak about, which influences what you do. What you do influences what you speak about, which influences what you think about. And it's just a circle feeding off itself. Every mitzvah in a Torah fits into one of those three categories, either in the mind, it's either in the mouth, or it's in the hands. And therefore, every mitzvah it just keeps feeding into each other. You have chitzonis, you have external, which feeds to the internal. You have internal, which feeds to the external. And what Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is teaching us is, and he's starting off with menschlichkeit, with the basic structure of a human being, that you have to have internal. That's the goal, is to have internal. But until you get to internal, you sometimes have to start with external.
but understand that the external is going to feed the internal, which is going to feed the external, which is going to feed the internal. It's going to keep going around and around. And that's how we make, that's how we strengthen the human being. That's step number one. Then step number two, Yira, fear of God. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to stop here. And I'm, gonna, I'm just picking up right from this place tomorrow. And, um, and we'll, we'll see how this applies to fear of God, how it applies to Chachma, Bina, and Das, and how it applies to Kemach and what exactly Kemach is. When we get this whole Mishnah, it's a stunning structure of the way a person has to live their life. We have to live our lives with external things, we have to recognize there are certain things that we do are external, but we have to take those external things and we have to pump them with meaning. And when we pump them with meaning, they become internal, but they still need to, to, to have an application externally, which then feeds our meaning, which then feeds our external things. And in that way, we are constantly revolving and constantly evolving as people and becoming stronger and stronger as time goes on. Okay.